0: I'm just going to practice smog smog Oh, you don't have to worry about Smaug. that in this one. In the 70s one, you can just say smog.
1: Oh, great. Welcome to Your Inner Child's an Idiot. This is a podcast where you look back on things from childhood and see
0: if they're any good. My name is DJ. Uh, my name's Saman. I definitely knew we were recording and wasn't uh, continuing <laughs> to read the latest National Geographic. <laughs> the latest. Do they still make na- National Geographic? What are you talking about? Look at that. Look at this. Mars. And here, subtitle some, some We Can't Get Enough of the Red <laughs> Planet. <gasps> oh, I am living for it. Yes, Mars, Sir honey. <laughs> I got to be
1: honest. This makes me a little bit nervous because, look, we all know, like, I'm the superhero comic book nerd of our duo, mm-hmm. but I also, like, barely remember most of it. It's like I remember it like you remember your seventh grade English teacher. Like, I got the general gist, but if you were like Mrs. Rotolo, her describe her face in detail, you'd probably well, she be was like, an
0: older woman, I think, of an Italian descent. She had dark black hair. Uh, she, um, she, wait, that's my second grade. Teacher. Oh, is isn't it? Who was my seventh grade English teacher?
1: All that to say, I'm the like, my area of quote unquote expertise is very foggy, but you are an actual fan of Tolkien and of this whole oeuvre that we're about to dive into. And I'm afraid that, um, I'm afraid for various reasons. One, <laughs> that I'm just gonna make. I'm not worried about making a fool of him. That's not true. I, I don't mind making a fool of myself. You will listen into him.
0: that like a warm bath.
1: <laughs> but what I am worried about is that I'm not going to like it and our friendship will suffer. <laughs>
0: you know, there is a chance of that. Um, but, you know, uh, I've, I've ended friendships for less. <laughs> I know that. I know that. From- and also, I think we're overplaying how much of an expert I am or how it's much so- like of a... Uh, you've read you've fan. read the books and you and you like the movies. Yeah. Yes, I do. I'm going to save the, that story for the Fellowship of the Ring, but I, I okay. mean I feel like I sort of got cast as a Lord of the Rings fan and right. I sort of became more knowledgeable mostly cuz no one else knew what to buy me for Christmas. So when the right. Lord of the Rings movies came out, they just bought me Lord of the Rings stuff and I was like, "Guys, this is too much. Right. Too much Lord of the Rings stuff." It's it's weird cuz like I I'm actually a pretty bad
1: fan of most things despite like well, obviously, loving movies and having a podcast where I talk about movies and TV all the time. Like, I like comic books, but I'm not obsessed with anything. And That's so, like, for the best, though, don't you think? It's almost hard to be that way. You either have to like hate it or be so obsessed with it. And sometimes it's okay to just like something. Just and be, be a casual c- fan. A casual fan. Although I would, I would argue that you're more than a casual fan because you've read the books multiple times and you used to, at least when we were sharing a household together, watch the, the trilogy of uh, Peter Jackson movies once a year. Yeah. <laughs> and then how, how long has it been since you've seen this cartoon? We're watching the Rankin and Bass 1977
0: I think it's seventy-seven. Um, the original could have looked that up. This was, yeah, this is the Rankin Bass animated. This is the uh, memory portion, Damon. No looking up anything. You're absolutely right. I, I can't. No, no knowledge can be uh, bequested at this point. The Supreme Court ruled in 1992. <laughs> oddly
1: enough, <laughs> I can't define two guys talking about something they barely remember, but I know it want to hear it. <laughs>
0: That was a reference inside of a Lord of the Rings Hobbit podcast. I love a Jesse Helms reference in a Lord (laughs) of the Rings uh, podcast
1: reference. Jesse Helms deep.
0: (laughs) Well done. Thank you. (laughs) So I've actually seen this movie fairly recently because I think it was one of our quarantine movies. But before that, it had been probably a good uh, five or ten years since I've seen the Rankin-Bass movie, mostly because it is a weird watch. Yeah, so that's what I I was going to say. Especially in this post-Lord of the Rings era where where Lord of the Rings has sort of entered into the mainstream. People have an an established idea of what the Lord of the Rings is, and it's mostly Peter Jackson's (laughs) Lord of the Rings. Right. And now, coming back to this, this version of the Hobbit, but it's kind of like, what is this? And it's a very specific time in animation as well. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we were working out some of the kinks still in this 50-year-old medium. They hadn't figured out animation in the 70s? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This drawing drawing goes after the other drawing, but we're going to photograph it but the, it'll go by so fast. Okay, okay. So I just moved Gandalf's stick a little bit. Okay. You're saying, I
1: appreciate network notes. You're saying you want the mouth movement to match the words coming out of
0: that character's mouth? No, I, now I don't buy that, it. And I'm how is the drawing going to sound like John Houston? Wait, you've hired John Houston. Oh, he's already recorded his lines, and I should have been drawing the mouth to those lines. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Now I, I don't want you to I get see. angry, <laughs> but I did not do that. Uh, so we're gonna this- either have to redo all these drawings, <laughs> or we're gonna have to bring John Houston back in.
1: Uh, yeah. So I have I have seen this cartoon, but it's been since i was a child like a true child like uh, however whenever i probably we probably watched it in class the one after true we, <laughs> child <laughs> we probably watched it in class after we read this book which is the only of the middle earth books that i've read was the
0: it's it's truly it's, the type of movie children. that would be <laughs> more brought in on a, a giant tv wheeled on yes. a, a cart laser disc perhaps teacher looks a little hungover maybe I actually watched this. I caught this on like a, f- remember when the Disney channel was a premium cable channel? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And kids incorporated. channel channel. Oh, kids incorporated. <laughs> We're
1: going to have to watch that for this.
0: We for caught this it on like a free weekend for the Disney channel. my dad saw it on the TV guide channel, which may not have even Good. been branded yet as the TV guide channel in that day and age. Uh, and he was like, I want you to watch this. I think you'll like it. And this was the mm. first exposure I ever Little had to uh, Middle-earth. It didn't catch with me. <laughs> like it did with <laughs> It you. is a very... I mean, he I, I, had the book on hand, so I immediately wanted to read the book, which is a lot better than this movie. If memory serves, Your Honor. I remember this being weird, because um, Gollum is like a lizard in this. He's very right? frog-like. And he's voiced yeah. by Brother Theodore, which, friend of the pod, uh, oh. from uh, The Burbs. Okay. You are the one who lives next door. He was also a favorite of uh, David Letterman, so that's how he got this sweet, sweet Gullum gig.
1: Wait, it, did David
0: Letterman produce this? No, but uh, Brother Theodore <laughs> was like kind of a thing in the, in the late 70s, early 80s, because okay. he would pop up on David Letterman a lot and yell at David okay. Letterman, and David Letterman loved it to no end. This also, so it has John Huston, Angelico's dad is in this, playing Gandalf. You got Orson Bean, uh, who you might remember from being John Malkovich, and... Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. And there's a lot of Ah. other weird (laughs) people at the nadir of their careers in 1977. (laughs) Otto Preminger is in this as Thranduil, the wood elf king. A lot of other weirdos. I th- the thing that sticks with me the most, though, is the animation is just fucking insane. It has really kind of morose backgrounds. Everything's in this watercolor style for the backgrounds, but they're also, like, washed out and kind of, like, gray in their looks, so there's this weird, right, right. somber atmosphere to this, you know, rolling, rollicking lark of a fantasy book <laughs> intended for children. And then uh, the animation is done in this style th- where every line is treated with the same weight. And some people might think of, like, the Tintin comics, where they're just used simple lines. But imagine if Tintin, every wrinkle on his face was drawn in the same weight as his Mm. outline. That's The Hobbit. Like, every crease on everyone's face every knuckle gets the same weight as every other line so they're just these almost frog everyone looks like a fucking frog it's hard to call out Gollum when bilbo also kind of looks like a goddamn frog everything is Mm. it's just a very specific art style but also very good like there's part of me that's like i don't like this the way you've done this but it's also really good animation for the most part yeah and this one is, it's split into three movies, as we know. Uh, this, this movie is 12 hours long. This 198-page book is split into three. The books. last five pages are three hours just on their own. <laughs> right, yeah. All great choices uh, made by wise people. <laughs> okay, so we're going to watch The Ranking of Mas- the
1: Hobbit from the 70s. Watch along with us. We'll be back after this. We are, we need to do another ad for our own oh, money making venture. Of course,
0: it never ends with these we're ads. Just, we're just... Am I getting cogs a free in the
1: system? We're in the cogs in the clock of
0: capitalism. Do I get a promo code for our podcast that maybe I yeah. can get uh, get it for a, a a small discount? Yeah, if you enter.
1: Patreon.com slash Your Inner Child's an Idiot into your browser. Oh. That will bring you to a place where for just a dollar up to as many infinity dollars as you want to give us, (laughs) you can be a patron of the show.
0: Wow, that is a great deal. What a deal. You can get your names
1: uh, written credits. You can get your name uh, read uh, by us at the $5 level. You can get a drawing by you. You can get a song by me. You can get... uh, We'll come up with something else. We need to come up with something else. We need another and, level.
0: And there. all I need to do to take advantage of this deal is to type uh, a uniform resource locator into my address bar on my v- preferred browser. And once again, Hypertext Transfer Protocol Secure Ooh, colon
1: nice. backslash backslash worldwide Wide Web period patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot. Oh, sorry. Patreon.commercial slash Thank child an idiot. Damon, would you please recap this movie? Because I can't even begin to think how I would do that.
0: DJ, I could recap this movie in my sleep. Can you do it And. In- Less than 30 seconds. I thought you were gonna ask me to go to sleep and do, do it. it. <laughs> <laughs> just just lay down. Prove uh, yourself right, Damon. Bilbo Baggins, homebody. He's a hobbit. They are about three foot six and they've got hairy feet. The wizard Gandalf comes with thirteen dwarves, to take him to the lonely mountain that was taken over sixty years ago by a dragon named Smaug. They go on an adventure, they encounter trolls that try to eat them, other items that try to eat them. They encounter Elrond, the elf. They encounter goblins, uh, eventually get to the Lonely Mountain, chase off Smaug, but triggers a a political power void uh, or vacuum, and uh, get to uh, the Battle of Five Armies. Uh, Anyway, they save the day, the dwarves take back their homeland, and Bilbo goes home with a magic ring, I should mention. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and i'm sure that won't come into play later yeah that's why i forgot it is it's such an inconsequential thing that isn't worthy of you know three sequels <laughs> really well done thank you i've rehearsed for this my entire life it's almost like you're obsessed with this story in general well everything that happened in my life pre-2001 meant i had to recount the plot of the hobbit to many people <laughs> now what is that again
1: they do kind of recap this in, in the beginning of the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies, right? Like, they basically recap what happens in The Hobbit in the first, like, ten minutes.
0: Yeah, they, they recap the juicy stuff. I mean, the the ring-centric uh, stuff where he finds the ring and you hear, you know, Gollum wailing. Oh. And uh, then, you know, that's about it. That's all you need to you know. Yeah, that's f- for that story. Anyway, this short guy found a ring in a mountain. Anyway, on with the show. Take it from there, Ian McKellen. <laughs> And you,
1: were, you would have learned in this one that Gandalf is kind of a dick, which I learned. <laughs>
0: Gandalf is kind of uh, chaotic good, I would say. <laughs> He's like he just seems like menacing for no reason. <laughs> He's like Holly
1: Golightly of a wizard. Like, he's just like, sometimes he's there, sometimes he's just like, whenever he feels
0: like it, he shows back up. He's like, uh, now I work in an office, so he reminds me of the manager who's just always popping into meetings, but he won't stay for the whole thing, even though it's really <laughs> necessary for him to be there. So he just wants to pop in, get 30 seconds worth of stuff, and then heads out. And then you realize you were supposed to get him to sign off on this other thing. And you're like, God damn it, I'm going to have to try and chase him down. Now we have to have another meeting just for that. Uh, It's almost like that's his scheme to make himself look more important. Just constantly having meetings. I tried to encourage one of my work friends to watch this, and I told her that she should get stoned and watch it, uh, which she did on Saturday night. Uh, She made a day of it. She uh, made food. She had a friend over. They made it. Five minutes in before they were too freaked out uh, to continue watching. So I imagine it was, i put them smack dab in the first verse of Glenn Yarbrough's song, right? (laughs) Which one? (laughs) Well, they they made it five minutes in, so the first one. Okay. Yeah,
1: just long enough to see Bilbo get browbeaten into this adventure. Leave him alone. (laughs)
0: I honestly I've never this I think we've talked on the podcast that I don't mind when there's sort of a plot hole just to get the plot moving right um and that's they do get right into it that's Uh, kind of the hobbit in a nutshell like yeah I've read the lore reasons of why Bilbo had to be part of this adventure and I've never bought it the idea is that Bilbo is a hobbit and Smaug has never smelled a hobbit before so Mm. it would be best to have him come along but I mean Gandalf. Does not know really Bilbo. I mean, supposedly they had encountered each other when Bilbo was a kid, but it is not. It's not like they're old friends. And he's like, "Oh, you'd be perfect for this burglar thing because I see something in you that's perfect." He's a connector. No sense. It, It. It's also not clear
1: why Gandalf's involved. To buy this movie, because they we we jump right into the adventure and then stall with songs. Like, because at first <laughs> at first I'm like, oh okay, we're not we're not fucking around here. Let's because they show the the Gandalf shows up immediately, and then the dwarves are right there, and then we're like into it, and then we have a lot of pausing after that
0: by seven minutes into this movie we're about halfway through the second peter jackson movie yes yes <laughs> pretty much <laughs> uh yeah uh, the 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 gandalf you mean why is gandalf associating with these yeah. dwarves what's yeah. he doing uh i think that's part of the the thing the, the interesting thing about the hobbit is that it is written for children and you can tell when you read the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings back to the back, right. they are aimed completely at different audiences. And the Hobbit, you can tell, is kind of like a first pass at this kind of world where when after you read Lord of the Rings and then go back to the Hobbit, you're kind of like, well, that doesn't that doesn't why is Gandalf doing this? <laughs> I think the the again, the lore reasons is that Gandalf is aware that Smaug or Sauron is has re-emerged. And that is true. In the appendices, he, when he says in the, when they're at Mirkwood and he says, I have business to deal with down South, he is literally talking about, he has to go drive Sauron out of the Southern part of Mirkwood because he's causing problems. Ah. So his concern though, is that if Smaug were, or Sauron, uh, God damn it. Every villain in the Lord of the Rings has an S name and it's in Sauron, <laughs> Saruman, Smaug. This is going to be it. This is annoying for you. So can't, can't wait. <laughs> so welcome to hell, passive viewers. <laughs> well, he's concerned that if Sauron were to rise to power and were to ally himself with someone like Smaug, mm. Smaug, that we'd be fucked. Right. So that is why he is dealing in the concerns of a bunch of group, uh, you know, okay. rando dwarves. Was the Hobbit.
1: The book, did that come out first or was it like a retroactive
0: prequel? No, it came out in the 30s and the Lord of the Rings didn't come out until the 50s.
1: Okay, so it was so, like, there's a. it really big, was yeah. like a first pass, like, yeah. and so he built this whole lore. Okay, that makes sense.
0: And in fact, he went back, he did the George Lucas thing where in the second printing of The Hobbit, he went back and changed some things to make it fit better with the Lord of the Rings. Like the, (laughs) the, there's a lot of changes to the riddles story where Gollum just lets him go originally, but he wanted to, he thought that undercut the power of the ring. So he had, he had Bilbo have to escape from Gollum and then Gollum would want to chase him for the rest of his days. So that was something that got changed. And I think there were a few other things, but that's the big one. We're immediately, though, like we leave the, we start to leave the Shire and we're immediately reminiscing in song. Oh, yeah. We're already winsome about home. (laughs) Just left the
1: Shire. It's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) You might have known
0: this, but I didn't realize there was so much music. There's so much music. I, there is a, I remember that there were, it's a musical. What I think about this movie, I think of that Glenn Yarbrough song, "The Greatest Adventure." But there is a lot of songs in this, and what's weird—the uh, the goblins songs- can jam. We learned oh, the, jo- the go- I was goblins really into all the goblin songs. The
1: goblins kind of, kind of slap.
0: <laughs> it's a bop. Am I using that term it's- correctly? I don't know. The goblins can fuck. Is that am I saying that? Yeah, I believe so. I think, I think yeah. this is all correct and makes us seem young. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's weird about this is that the the songs that actually are pertinent to the plot are they they sort of um, I don't know. They're not very loud. It's, I don't know the word what you would say. They're they're scaled back so that they almost seem like background music. And then hmm. someone will refer to them, and I'm like, oh, is this? this isn't happening in my head. This is something that's actually in the environment. There's a moment like- we are not like showing them like
1: together. It's like you see the heroes and then you see the villains. And so I don't know if that's like an animation
0: thing, but it was like, wait, is this happening concurrently? Oh, I mean like even like in singing, like you don't see people singing. Right. Like the dwarves are singing at one point and I thought it was just background music. And then Gandalf does like says something like, their song moves you, doesn't it? And I'm like, what? Oh, I didn't realize this was actually this something that was currently, you know, in the environment. But then Glenn Yarbrough's like scream warbling all over the soundtrack at other times, which is- That's like, actually Gandalf's voice, singing this. <laughs> <voice. laughs> yeah, but the, I, I like the I like the Goblin songs. I didn't actually mind any, much of the actual songs that people sang in the movie. It was mostly just that Glenn Yarbrough song, which was just like stuck out like a sore thumb. It was just like this, this very American folky song Where everything else fit with the Middle Earth environment, it was like
1: your classic like sing-songy children's movie vibe, and that and that fit a lot more than like yeah, Cat Stevens vibe, like warbling about
0: (laughs) what the hell (laughs) the greatest adventure
1: has yet over over what lies ahead.
0: I will say all the songs uh, except for Glenn Yarbrough are from the book because J.R.R. Tolkien will never pass up a a chance to put a whole fucking like six verse song in the middle of a chapter. (laughs) It's like his demo tape. It's like he's like sliding the demo tape across the table. I'm like, John Ronald Rule, get this the fuck out of here! And why am I just hanging out by your car and you're selling me CDs out of your trunk? <laughs> you gotta check out my band. I'll just talk about the casting. Uh, I Please. I I liked John Houston, uh, Angelica Houston Senior uh, as Gandalf, <laughs> but Orson Bean I think was. He was a little too zen as Bilbo, and so he never really, his voice never expressed fear. His voice never seemed to express consternation or anything. It always seemed laid at the same, like, level all the time. Even when he was being threatened with being eaten, he was like, oh, my word. Yeah. And I'm like, he's gonna eat you. Um, Yeah, it's, like, kind of charming, but it's also, like, it doesn't fit. Yeah, it, it, the animation would show him being scared, but his voice never matched that. So I don't think I liked him very much in this. Yeah, I buy that. Like, there's the, when he's reading the contract and he's like, uh, he's just going over the, the terms of his contract and he says funeral expenses. Funeral expenses? And then he faints, but the, the highest his voice ever gets is funeral expenses. Yeah, like you read it wrong.
1: <laughs> you want to do that again? No, you don't. Okay. No, I got it. Guess we're good. Mostly I have to be honest. Mostly, what I have are questions. Uh, okay. Because the story is like it's other than the sort of lore part of it, and like why did that happen, which is not really important. Really, it is a pretty straightforward. It's for for the lore that comes out of it. It's a pretty straightforward story of like they go on this adventure to like get rid of the the sort of epilogue. Of the f- War of the Five Armies is a little bit like, oh, okay, that's we're we're just gonna talk about we're like doing this because you you would think you vanquish the dragon you move on. I do like it's it's interesting that Bilbo isn't the one, even though it's it's his like he figures out the that Smog is missing a scale and therefore has a weak weak point, mm-hmm. but he isn't the one that brings him down. Yeah, it is interesting. It is like he is responsible for sending the thrush to tell. The men in Lake Town <laughs> that was like, okay, okay, this is a little unnecessarily complicated, but is I don't know, an interesting choice. The talking choice. thrush, of course. And then he gets to
0: say, you speak the truth, old thrush. <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably something I'm going to try to work in daily. Oh yeah, and casual conversation. Yeah, I kind of like that. I think it would be weird if Bilbo was like the one, you know, chucked a spear into Smaug's well, in chest. Does a, he does a fair amount of swashbuckling in this story. Like he, no, he holds his own against those rabbit spiders,
1: those bunny at, spiders. Which is why I think it's a little under... I think you're, you make a really good point that he's a little undercut by the voice acting because he, while terrified and like not built for this, quote unquote, he's the bravest... He proves himself time and again to be the bravest of the bunch and like when shit's going down, you can count on Bilbo. These yeah. dwarves,
0: you certainly no. can't fucking count on Thor and Oakenshield. Yeah, what's he doing? One of the things I like and it's probably the thing that I makes so me like... So handsome in the movie though. Uh, Yeah. One of the things I like about The Hobbit, maybe even a little bit more than Lord of the Rings, is that it's probably closer to my politics than Lord of the Rings is. And Mm. most of that is because almost everyone in charge that they encounter in The Hobbit is a fucking moron. Yeah, yeah. Thorin Oakenshield is a coward. The Thranduil, the elfin king in in Mirkwood, is an asshole. Yeah. Bard the Bowman is is fine. But in the book, there's the master of Lake Town who's kind of like like, a low-level, greedy bastard. So there's always, like, this feeling, like, don't trust authority, like, put your your faith in people who have, like, proven their worth, which is kind of, like, the main thrust of, like, Bilbo Baggins is no one from nowheresville, but he was... This whole place would be screwed up if it, he hadn't, like, stepped up and, and you know, yeah. stabbed a bunch of spiders and told a thrush to go tell Bard <laughs> where to stab a dragon. <laughs> so I love I love that. One of the things, one of my complaints about the Peter Jackson movie is they sort of make Thorin into, like, an Aragorn type. Right. Which makes his turn into a greedy asshole at the end. Like, they have to do a lot of of work, which in Peter Jackson's version means a lot of slow-motion panning of him (laughs) looking at treasure (laughs) um, to make him into an asshole. But he is consistently a failure in leadership throughout the book and this movie. And it's one of the things I love about it is that he's just this entitled prick who just keeps putting a person. He has explicitly said he does not trust to do the job he's been hired to the minute, like push comes to shove. He's like, go burgled something. Go, you know, uh, go talk to those three man eating trolls and see if you can steal some of their meat for seemingly no reason. (laughs) Yeah. That was just kind of like fucking with them. I see some trolls. Let's fuck with them is basically what Yeah. Yeah, it's very weird. I wanted to talk some more about cause you were talking about how there's a lot of singing and a lot of montages in this yes. movie. Yes. And it seems like within like five seconds of leaving his house, where Bilbo is like moved by the song of the dwarves mm. and like excited about adventure. How could you like, not we like we cut to them like walking on a path and Bilbo's just complaining about Having to go on this adventure, and I was like, "Wow!" Just so quickly, his like entire character turns into just complaining and, and wishing for his you know seat by the fire. Well, I think this movie might have the opposite problem of Peter Jackson's movies, in that it might be too short. It seems like it moves at like uh- a. <laughs> I'll just say, like, it feels like the characters are just, like, bopping along into whatever the story needs them to do, and if there was, like, at least a scene where something bad happened yeah. to Bilbo, instead right. of just, like, montages of them walking, and him having the exact opposite character than the scene previous, I feel right. like there could have been a lot more, like, narrative work.
1: To, to your point, if they had cut the sort of interlude songs, there's <laughs> it's a 45-minute movie. so Absolutely. Yeah, you could have done a lot with that.
0: <laughs> it also has, like... There's a thing I never got into anime as a kid and it was partly because because they had to sort of translate it over from Japanese into English the lines always felt like they just kept like piling in lines into people's mouths to justify why their mouths kept moving right and that feels there's always like an awkwardness in Japanese anime that's been translated into English because they're either talking a lot or they're talking really quickly because the mouth doesn't move enough to get the English uh, translation in there, and I got a lot of that in this. I don't. I don't yeah. think this is a Japanese animated movie, but it feels like there's a lot of like dead air sometimes where someone will yeah. say something and then it just like shows Bilbo like slowly moving while the camera stays on him, and I think that's partly because it was edited. And made for TV. So there's like a lot of clear commercial breaks. There's clear commercial breaks. There's a lot of like probably stretched scenes of limited animation so that they can just, you know, fill time. But it gives the whole thing a weird timing issue that makes me uneasy. It's a weird edited movie. It is. Yeah. There's 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 a clear lack
1: of sort of momentum. Like there's story momentum. Like there's there's plenty of like plenty of things happen. Yeah. And there's certainly plenty of characters. But it's like (laughs) and and like some of them are generally fleshed out and then some of them are like, and eight more dwarves. You know, but
0: (laughs) And the rest. But
1: but uh it's also Even so White's
0: like, who the fuck are these guys?
1: Yeah, exactly. But it like it moves like traffic. Like it's like stop, go, stop, go. And it's very, it's very difficult to sort of be like, what are we doing right now?
0: I mean, I would argue that that, that's probably the most accurate to the book, too. The book is sort of like a road movie where it's very episodic, like each chapter is essentially a little mini-adventure that, you know, Bilbo or the dwarves get in and they have to sort of wriggle their way out of. It doesn't help that this one has a lot of just those montage scenes that we were talking about where it's like, okay, and then we're back to this again. Okay. Um, I was kind of surprised. I guess I didn't remember
1: that. Well, I knew the last... Of the three Hobbit movies was called War of the Five Kings or whatever Five Armies, <laughs> uh, but Battle I did of the Five Armies Battle of the Five Armies. Uh, I was thinking of Game of Thrones. I think <laughs> War <laughs> of the Five Kings, but it's really kind of confusing when it comes up, because first of all they're like, ready to throw down. And basically Bilbo's like, we don't have to do this. There's enough treasure here, let's just share And there's like, no, it's Principal. All of a sudden he's, what's his name? Lead Dwarf. is the bravest guy around. He, yeah, soaring. he's very brave. And then they're about to kill each other, and then the goblins show up and they're like, all of a sudden, besties, like... The end of G.I. Joe episode. It's very weird,
0: like timing. Mean. I think. I mean, I think it's it's Racism. supposed to be played for its ridiculousness. I think right. again, right. like the the time frame that he's writing this is right after World War One, which was right. very much a battle of five armies, where a bunch of people were being assholes for the, the reason of, hey, I'm the cousin to the brother of Queen Victoria, so I have to be allied with this group of people, and you're the niece to the nephew of, you hate the this other person, F- Ferdinand. I'm glad he's dead. I'll be honest with you. Whoa! <laughs> so I think he is playing up the ridiculousness totally. of, of yeah. greed amongst our armies and, and, uh, and that's how, clear uh, with how Bilbo leaders can the... suddenly send their people to go die for a really stupid cause. And Bilbo has the exact right reaction, which right. is, this is dumb. Yeah. And yeah. because I don't want to get involved in a very stupid war, you're calling me a coward, even though I've done hundreds of things that prove I'm not a coward. And yet he does just kind of chill. During the battle, oh, yeah. which is kind of fun. I like that. <laughs> um, in the book, I mean, in this, they play it up as a joke. In the book, he actually does get it knocked unconscious and wakes up after the battle. But in this, he just lies and says, oh, I've been out for hours. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do some questions now. Okay, lamb on me. It. I do want to okay. talk about Gullum in a bit. But yeah, let's, let's, hear some, let's hear some questions. Questions corner. Those are both spelled with Qs. <laughs> questions corner.
1: I think that'll come up because that's my last question it has to do with the rings. So What's Gollum's deal is the question. What's <laughs> Gollum's deal? I mean, it kind of is. Okay. We already talked about why is Gandalf doing that. I think I think that's a fair, you know, like re- even if it's retrofitted to the story, like what exactly he's doing. I think that's
0: yeah, that sense. works better for me. Then we've got to get this um, homebody who stay who never goes on adventures. We absolutely need to have him on this adventure. Yeah, that's yeah. the part where I'm like, Jarro Token.
1: I'll let this one slide. <laughs> how well defined in the books are Gandalf's powers because they are so in, in in this movie, he controls the weather. He (laughs) turned, he disguised himself as a tree. He turned Uh himself into a tree. He has electricity, pine cone power, and (laughs) he also can summon the Eagles and Glenn Fry, Don Henley, Joe Walsh. They just show up (laughs) anytime
0: he asks them. I was just like, wait, Don Henley's a name. I know. What is, what is he doing? (laughs) What is he riffing on? And they said they wouldn't get back together until hell freezes over. That's my one Eagles joke. It's good. If you're asking what, how well defined are Gandalf's powers in the book, not very. Okay. Uh, I will say, I mean, one of the things I like, I mean, in this one, he it sort of insinuates that he has control over Dawn. Right, yeah, because he makes the... the- the light come out when the trolls are attacking. In the book, it's a little bit more nebulous that he uh, manages to confuse the trolls until they keep arguing until dawn. Oh. I think that's how it's implied in the book. But in this, it does make it seem like he has shifted the axis of the earth in order yeah, to save right. his friends.
1: I found this even in the, my or at least when I originally watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, is it's like when you have someone that overpowered, like... Like, you know, it's a wizard. It's magic. There's going to be a certain amount of literal and figurative hand-waving. But, like, you get to set the rules as the writer. You tell me what the deal is with these magic. And then you come up with reasons why he can't just zap his way out of every situation. That's your job as a storyteller, not mine, to be like, why did he do it then, but not then, and then, and not then. You know right. what I mean? Like, if you, and I think that, I mean, people complain about, and we can talk about this when we talk about the trilogy, people complain about the e- the Eagles when they come at one point, but they didn't come at this other point. And I think that's that's a little bit, even even at the time, even though I don't know why he didn't do that, I'm a little bit like, Yeah, because that would have been stupid. You know what I mean? I really enjoy this movie.
0: Why didn't they make it into, you know, a 45-minute jaunt of riding on a bunch of eagle's backs into into a volcano? And you're like, why didn't you explain to me? And it's like, you wanted more exposition in this movie? (laughs) While his his powers aren't really defined, he's never, like, so overpowered that it seems like he doesn't have, like, that Superman effect where it's like, oh, you can just sort of spin the earth backwards. He always seems a little bit limited, and I think that's partly because he is in a mortal form. He is in a human body, and that somewhat limits him. He can, like, light a pine cone on fire, and maybe that's about it but Mm -hmm. he's not he's not like someone who can just like you know shoot a lightning bolt into a Balrog skull and then you know until he gets a new until he gets a new cloak and then oh of course then he's he's just like pretty much an A-bomb walking through Middle Earth but I always like I think he he always feels a little restrained enough even though it's not well defined what his powers are or limited to he feels like he's never so overpowered that he feels like at least in Lord of the Rings he doesn't feel like a a deus ex machina here he does kind of like pop in and Uh, at will right and and especially because the editing of this movie is so quick it feels like every two minutes he's like i gotta go and then on the third minute he's like i'm back to get you out of trouble again
1: yeah yeah that's that's what i was gonna say it's it's a bit weird because they they set up the challenges of him not by him just not being there and then they do kind of get into until it's like there's just no way out
0: and then he shows up and you're like, okay. Right. Wow. I think he's a little bit more, he's a little bit better framed in, in Lord of the Rings than he is in, mm. in The Hobbit. He is sort of like a fantasy wizard in The Hobbit.
1: I think you explained this well enough by saying that this was sort of a test run for this world, but I didn't realize the spiders were also in this story as well as Lord of the Rings. Greatest hits.
0: Uh Jared Tolkien, Tolkien really doesn't seem to like spiders all that much. <laughs> Too many legs. Uh the spiders are also here. They are smaller than than Shiloh is in in The Lord of the Rings, but they are here and they talk. That's got, that's my main thing. Like when I read the Hobbit got bunny ears. I, Oh right, everyone's talking in this. Yeah. Trolls are talking, talk. spiders are talking, eagles yeah. are talking, um, thrushes are talking. Yeah, the, the bunny spiders, they're very silly, but they named Sting. You got to hand it to them. They're the ones who uh, who... Is that where he took the name from? Right. When he stabs the first spider, he goes, instead of just dying, the spider says, it stings, it stings. And that's when Bilbo says, and I shall call you Sting. I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess that fits if you and really want to name
1: something. And that's when Gordon
0: Sumner was like... Yeah, I'm gonna use that. I like that too. He was sitting right there in the next tree over, partially like incapacitated by spider venom. When he was like, <laughs> "I like it. I like, I like it. it. I'm gonna do that and fuck my wife for five hours." Can you tell me the difference between goblins
1: and orcs? Because uh, they they call them. They're basically used interchangeably in this movie.
0: I will say, like the, Tolkien, for some reason he calls them goblins in The Hobbit and he calls them orcs in The Lord of the Rings, but they are the same. Okay, they are the same race. Although it is, again, I think this speaks to it being sort of a first run. There is like, it seems weird that the orcs would have a king. That doesn't seem like their thing when you follow them in the Lord of the Rings. But yeah, according to Tolkien, there is no difference. All right. This is very different. I don't remember, honestly,
1: the Hobbit trilogy movies that much either, but this is a very different characterization
0: for Smaug. Smaug. He sounds like he's from Texas. He sounds like, well, 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 what do we have here? He's not that bad, but he, sound, he has like a John Wayne like sort of swagger to his voice. It's very, it's a, it's a choice. He I, sounds like a grizzled, uh, greasy spoon diner owner to me. Like, he's just <laughs> like... Trying to seek my treasure. Treasure? Uh, I'll measure my treasure. Uh, yeah, he says, well, thief, I can smell you. I can <laughs> feel your air. And I'm like, what choice what? was this? That, <laughs> that this guy is here. Um, and he also seems like he, the guy who recorded the the voice, gives no shits. Right. <laughs> there will be no second takes on this one. Also, the, the, I think that what also disappointed me about Smaug, he, they design him like sort of cat-like or maybe bat-like. Yeah, he's like a big kitty. And it's weird. Maybe this is because I'm just a giant nerd, but I'm like... I feel like Smaug, I want him to look like a dragon. I don't want him to look like a giant cat with wings. I want him to look like what I imagine a dragon to look like. And I'm going to back this up with pedantic nerdiness by saying, like, within this movie, they refer to him as a snake and a worm. Yeah. So I feel like if you saw a giant, you know, cat... (laughs) non-non-cat flying through the air, you wouldn't just call him a worm. He's also really fat in this, which, again, I would say, would you really call him... He's got a big old cat belly. I don't feel like you would call him a snake. He doesn't have very snake-like proportions. Yeah. Maybe a snake that just ate
1: someone. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, like, when they eat an egg, there's just, like, a big oval. (laughs) Right. There's a big cartoon shape in the middle of them. I always... Appreciate that they, like, did something unexpected, but I'm always a little disappointed that he doesn't look like what I want him to look like. (laughs) Yeah. I tried Lauren had a lot of questions about The Ring
1: and Gollum, and I don't... I didn't write all of her questions down, unfortunately, but
0: here's how I tried to explain it. Her questions were, why are we watching this? How many more movies are there that we're going to be watching? We're almost done, right? Did you sign on to doing the Hobbit trilogy as a Patreon (laughs) exclusive? (laughs) I don't know if she knows about that yet. Ooh. Wait until she's just falling asleep and then just mention whisper it <laughs> hey her. Hey babe. Hey babe. We're going to be watching a 9-hour trilogy based on the same book. First of all, can I use your credit card? <laughs> <laughs> What's the Amazon code again?
1: So there's this powerful ring, which we'll find out about the forging of it in the movie. So it's not important yet, but it, it clearly like power and its power that's tied to Sauron. Yeah. Gullum, who used to be Sméagol, who was a hobbit Mm -hmm. Sméagol found this ring and then it basically over a long period of time turned him crazy turned him into this monster and it looks very much like a frog in this and basically he's just been hanging out talking to himself and the ring going crazy and then bilbo stumbles in ends up pilfering the ring and leaving and kind of driving him crazy
0: yeah. So, what's the question? The question is <laughs> that right? It. Is that right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: So, as of this, as for this movie, it doesn't really talk about Sauron. It doesn't talk about that the ring drove him crazy or anything. The only thing we know is that this ring is magical because it makes Bilbo invisible when he puts it on. Yeah. That's that's it. That's like the extent of its powers as far as this movie is concerned. Right.
0: Yeah, in the book, too, I mean, it doesn't really uh, dive into the sort of darker elements of the ring. That's kind of like the big twist in The Lord of the Rings when you start reading that. You're like, oh, shit.
1: Guess things are all fucked
0: up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, as far as Bilbo knows, it is a magic ring that makes him invisible. Well, and it's clear that there,
1: I mean, like, even without knowing that there were a shitload of pages to come in other books, like... They make a point of zooming in on the ring that's on a, like, display case on Bilbo's shelf. Like, clearly this means something, even though we're like, why is this it's just, maybe
0: it's just a token of his adventure, you know? But well, yeah, I mean, uh, the movie being made in 77, they they know how they popular know it's Lord of the Rings, so even the viewers would have known there's a big, you know, yeah, book it's, trilogy that came out. It's after.
1: clear that it's, like, leading to something else, but it was just kind of confusing because they don't touch on, like, why Gollum, what's Gollum's fucking deal? He's just this <laughs> crazy lizard living in, the ca- living in a cave.
0: I mean, that's essentially what happens in the book as well. They don't really, like, describe him as looking like a hobbit. They don't really describe him as looking like a goblin either. Like, they sort of are clear that he's not a goblin he's not he's this sort of creature with these big you know cat eyes essentially that can see in the dark and he's a little bit kooky bananas in that he sort of talks to himself and mutters to himself and uh says my precious a lot and pluralizes almost every other word he and yoda could have like a yeah weird uh specific dialect (laughs) off Gollum in this i really could not Tyler is sort of Lord of the Rings agnostic. He's right. he doesn't hate them, but he's not like really that big into them, but he loves Gollum. Yeah. So much. Like, everything Gollum does is always hysterical. I don't think that Tolkien... Tolkien's strength isn't necessarily in characters, but when he does get a good character right, it's he, like, knocks it out of the park. Like, Gollum is such a deranged, weird character. Yeah. And uh, Theodore... Uh, Theodore Gottlieb plays Gollum in this movie, and he plays him... He makes Andy Serkis look like Downton Abbey. Like, he makes him so uncomfortably crazy in this, that it's like, Bilbo, you gotta get the fuck out of here. The fact that Orson Bean is being so zen around him, like, no, this man is crazy, and you need to, like, (laughs) violently insane, and you need to be out of this cave as soon as possible. (laughs) As I said in the intro, like, Theodore played one of the Klopeks in The Burbs, and also is, like, chaotic evil in that as well. And here, he's just constantly screeching and just... You can barely understand him at times. He's just muttering just constantly. I couldn't get enough of this, uh, of this version of Gollum. He's just so bonkers and so uh, discomforting that I I just wanted to watch him forever. It was great. I think
1: I I didn't feel the same way, mostly because I'm realizing now, in retrospect, that it's because
0: it was so undercut. By Bilbo, being like not afraid. Bilbo like, is acting like he's he's meeting that aunt he doesn't like very much. But I'm like, this is a lunatic who's right. obviously trying to eat you. He has s- stated plainly, if you lose this game, he will eat you. Yeah, and Bilbo and was like, oh my
1: stars! They go into a uh, essentially an old timey rap battle, which is a riddle <laughs> off. It's pretty much eight mile. Yeah, mom spaghetti. I'm just surprised that this these uh, they all have this many riddles in their pocket. Like if you were, if I were like right now, Damon, I'm going to kill you unless you come up with a riddle. Would you be able to, because I couldn't come up with a single well- riddle.
0: DJ, I know we're in quarantine and we haven't hung out uh, face-to-face very often, but you know I keep Laffy Taffy wrappers in my pocket, just in case <laughs> I'm ever trapped in a cage with a violent sociopath. That way I can always have a riddle on hand. That's, I shouldn't have chosen Bazooka Joe. Now <laughs> I, have, I just have bad You have to describe strips. scenes and then puns on top of that. I think this is a particularly, this is probably something that's been lost a little bit to time. I think this is a particularly British thing and also uh, Old Timy thing. It's on like top the of trolls that. that like the troll is like a uh, question answer my question three and like. Well, no, I think it's it's more of a just like if you were sitting around the fire and there was you know Green Hornet had just gone off the air on the radio, you might mm. you know you might like you, yeah, I think in America you would have like maybe a handful of like dumb jokes or like body jokes you might tell, right. or you might like have a game of riddles. I think it's one of those weird things that's a little bit lost like to time. A duel. If you're in <laughs> right, <laughs> if you're an American, you'd shoot each other to pass right. the time.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that was that's that's all my questions. That's all did I got. You,
0: did you not like? You didn't like uh, this version of Gollum? I love Andy
1: Serkis's Gollum. So I was not. I like. I was not as charmed by this one. Although when he I liked says
0: it. when when Bilbo says, "What have I got in my pockets?" or "What have I got in my pocket?" I see even I pluralized it for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> "What have I got in my pocket?" And Gollum's just like. He's basically like, how should I know what you have in your filthy, nasty pocketses? Uh, <laughs> the fact that he just immediately like goes below the belt and just starts attacking the integrity of his pockets, I just think is uh, really funny to me. <laughs> this movie... I think keeps in the spirit of the, mo- in the, of the book of like eliding all the nonsense names. Like they don't name Thorin's father. They don't name the elf King. They're just right. like, all you need to know because is that, who cares? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You don't need to keep up with this. You really going to help that you got a guy named Thorin and he keeps referencing two guys named Thrain and thrower. There was a weird moment in Gullum's duel or the, the riddle duel where rather than like having them the rap battle, please. The rap battle. Where rather than having them rap at each other, they just like cut to like panning shot of the background paintings and mm. had like a background another fucking song played where people were singing riddles rather than hearing Gollum and Bilbo tell the riddles to each other. I imagined it was a way to save on animation because you can just paint the background once and then just mm. have the camera pan over it. But it was very odd choice for what is supposed to be a very tense scene. I just wanted to complain about that. The elves are grotesque walking terrors. Did you see? Did you catch that? That all the elves are just um, from my nightmares. I got confused between the
1: like they run into Elrond.
0: Yeah, and who then has a the... fucking constellation floating around his head for some reason? Yeah. I said he, he watched Midsummer,
1: so he just <laughs> he thought that was cool. And then there's the wood elves, right? Is that what you're talking about? Because they're like more monstrous. Yeah, they meet
0: Elrond and Rivendell, but then when they are in Mir- Mirkwood, they run afoul of the wood elves. And the wood elves are like gross. They are also. They're goblins. When in doubt, the yeah. production design was like based on a frog. What should Bilbo look like? Frog. Frog. What should Gollum look like? Frog. Frog. What about the elves? Ah, I'm thinking frog. Look, I'm a frog guy. What can I say? <laughs> if you're going to ask me these questions, Greg, I'm always going to respond frog. Do something <laughs> yourself for once. Frogs, I mean, frogs are great. I'm not anti-frog. I feel like my, my record speaks for itself. I'm very pro-frog. Look, no one's saying you're not. I got to hand it to the Lake Town Boys. They've got some short miniskirts. Mm.
1: Lake Town Boys.
0: They've been living on top of a lake. That's why they wrote it's that song. Implied about it. on the name of their town. <laughs> it's built on top of a fucking lake. Seems like this there's, song's not going
1: anywhere. Seems like there's plenty of good land right around the lake. I'm not sure why they did that. No,
0: we're gonna be doing a lot of sticks and docks. Thank you very much. Uh, but we'll be doing this.
1: You want to go to the verdict?
0: Uh, yeah. Come on, let's...
1: The greatest, the greatest adventure, adventure is what
0: lies ahead. And that was Jennifer Tilly covering Glenn Yarborough's The <laughs> Greatest Adventure. <laughs>
1: I feel like you're going to have a lot more to say as someone who's uh, more educated. So I'm going to go first. More educated. Uh, Read nerdy books. I just feel like you, you have more insight based on your background as a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> While I was doing sports and making out with girls and stuff. I will say this is, and it, this is like, especially when you at, talk about the, the background that you bring in from the books, like, it does make me appreciate it more. But I found this very annoying. You're in a child's an idiot. <laughs> it was it's weird it's not that it, all the drawings are bad but the animation is very weird the voice acting oh, has some
0: talk about how weird the animation it's is, very yeah.
1: weird and you you mentioned this in the in the intro like all the lines that they draw have like the same weight so it's very it's very heavy kind of animation but it's like you, you know see,
0: everyone has the same gnarled hands yeah, it, yeah. everyone's very a knuckle heavy hand these animators prefer yeah well, it's like,
1: its they're interesting drawings, but it is very, like, off-putting to watch, especially over the course of an entire movie. Especially and then,
0: for a fucking kids movie.
1: Yeah, it's a little scary. It's a little creepy. And then, yeah, some of the voice acting is good, but most of it I, f- I found n- not good. And and not, <laughs> like, in an indivi- individual sense, but it didn't, like, help. And the songs were Glenn Yarbrough. So what is it? Yarborough? Glenn yeah. Yarbrough? Yarborough. That was annoying as shit. I hated it. It it was funny, but not in the way that I wanted. Um, <laughs> I like. I agree that I liked. I liked some of the the in game songs, like the Goblin song. <laughs>
0: the in game the in game cutscenes I really enjoyed, yeah. but the gameplay <laughs> really sucked. It was like I'm just imagining you sitting there with your Switch controller, just waiting. When does it? When does it fucking stop? Oh, it's the whole thing's a cutscene.
1: I did not enjoy myself watching this. I have to be honest. I did I know not
0: <laughs> enjoy myself watching this.
1: Even though I did watch this as a kid, I didn't. I don't carry a lot of nostalgia for this either. So I think that if I did, I might feel differently. But like, as someone who like came in generally to the whole Lord of the Rings thing much later, I'm just like, this is stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> what did you think? Uh, I will agree that your inner child is an idiot. I think, in terms of animation and as a interpretation of Lord of the Rings, that's different than than the one sort of become the pop culture mainstay at this point. Uh, it's interesting to watch yeah but it is weird in a lot of like the voice acting is not a great choice the music is often not a great choice the animation is good so I mean if you're uh, an animation nerd like I am I mean it's fun to kind of watch this very particular style of gnarled hands animation <laughs> yeah as as a story it just feels like oddly choppy sometimes too clipping through it like Cliffs notes yeah other times it seems to be undercut it's own like dramatic tension, like in the scenes with Gollum where Orson Bean just seems like he's hanging out with up. a guy at a bar that he doesn't seem to particularly care for. I'm like, you're stuck in a cave with a murderer. Yeah. This, then uh, the Smaug design and the Smaug acting, everything just seems like really kind of not my thing. So, I will yeah. say, you're in a child's an idiot.
1: Case closed. We are gonna for our, for our patrons. We are gonna eventually watch the newer Hobbit trilogy, and having seen that somewhat recently because that only came out what like five five years ago at this point. I
0: think it's ten years now. Is it really Jesus? We Christ. are gonna die one day, and it came out ten years ago. <laughs> that, that it can't be right. I refuse to accept it. I think t- two thousand twelve. I think yeah. the first one came out. Regardless,
1: I've seen it much more recently, and I and so I. I there's a little bit of fogginess but I do think this is better than that. <laughs> Just in the <laughs> fact that they took a short a brief story and made a brief movie about it. <laughs> and didn't try to like stuff it with with weird stuff.
0: I may I may not uh, agree on that point but uh, we'll yeah. we'll find out. What do you think everybody? Why don't you email
1: us here at idiot at gmail.com. You can text us or call us at 615-576-0525. Oh, yeah. Should we play the message from Jonathan?
0: Oh, yeah. Let's um, hear what uh, Jonathan has to say. A patron. Patron and DePauw alum, John Day. Yeah, we've got a message from John. I think John. Also, I need your notes from Thursday, March thirteenth, two thousand and three, from our <laughs> medieval, our medieval magic, uh, medieval medicine class. That that I'll need that. If You could just fax those to me. That'd be great. Hey, this is uh, John Day, um, who uh, some of you may remember. Uh, I just had to listen to the Zoltan Ted episode, and I had to call in because of I watched that a lot growing up, uh, and. My freshman year of college, actually, we were in my, my like, intro, uh, I think, philosophy class or something. And, like, one of the first things we were talking about, uh, I, I mentioned, like, oh, yeah, I liked how uh, Socrates said this. And everyone's like, ah, good Bill and Ted joke. And I was like, yes, that was a joke because uh, I totally knew how to pronounce it before that. Uh, anyway, that was it. Uh, thanks. Have a good day. Bye.
1: Yeah, that's great. Uh, that's a, a classic. Have read it many times, but have never said it out loud. It <laughs> <laughs> happened to me with the word uh, chassis uh, a while <laughs> ago when I confidently said chassis. Even though I've used the word chassis and I've read the word chassis, I had never put those two things together.
0: Uh, I also had a similar instance. My apologies to the good people of uh, Tucson, Arizona, for uh, once referring to it as Tucson, Arizona. I just assumed Tucson was spelled (laughs) T-O-O-S-A-N, and that this was a different town, some small, you know, ghost town of Tucson, Arizona. My apologies.
1: (laughs) Uh, Thanks for calling in, though, John. We appreciate it. Once again, if you want to leave us a message, 615-576-0525. If you want to become patron of the show, patreon.com slash your inner child's We'd like to thank our patrons, including Jonathan Day, Just Cuz, The Zesty, Jacob Grimm, Particle Man,
0: Demon's Australian Accent,
1: <laughs> Heather Tuggle, <laughs> Dramatically Placed Hot Dog, Karen Curd, Larissa Maestro,
0: Lindsay Now, T Smith, Jeremy Powell, Kevin from Cleveland, Captain Jean Luc Picard, Brandon Hardy, who is, in fact, the supreme ruler of this podcast,
1: His Honor the Mayor, and
0: Dan McIntyre.
1: Thank you all very much for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. If you want to support like them, patreon.com slash your inner child an idiot.
0: And I'm going to go ahead and uh, just, uh, just get, oh, no, no. That sounds like a man straining for a guitar. Okay. Yeah.
1: The greatest adventure is when we're done doing the show.
0: <laughs> it really is. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's comparable to leaving your home uh, and, and going out and negotiating with trolls. You know what's funny is, having not left the house at
1: all pretty much for a year or so, it would be a very great adventure just to leave my
0: neighborhood. (laughs) You really identify with Bilbo Baggins as he heard uh, these descriptions of a dragon attacking a mountain. You're like, it does move through me as well, (laughs) Bilbo